Hello, 360 Talk Radio for Women and the Book Tour. This is Dawn Abbott, and I'm here with my third episode of Your Life is Not a To-Do List. That show title shares its name with my recently released book of the same title, Your Life is Not a To-Do List, Tools for a More Joyful Entrepreneurial Journey. I've been an entrepreneur for 32 years. I am now a professional EOS implementer, and I help other entrepreneurs get more efficiency and traction in their business. I help them get what they want from their businesses through with three things, vision, traction, healthy. So I help them clarify their vision and make sure that it's shared by all so they understand who they are and where they're going and how they're going to get there. Traction by creating a disciplined and accountable organization in which everyone has goals and measurables and they're hit sustainably and healthy, which is about creating a healthy, cohesive team. So that's me and what I do. I also still own two entrepreneurial companies that are completely self-managed and I'm not in the day-to-day operations of those companies uh, anymore. And so I'm sharing this with you because that is what allowed me to have time to write this book. And I've had this life of up and down, very crazy roller coaster life in which at one point I had two grown sons that were 18 and 21 and had been married 25 years. And my business partner was my husband. And we found out we were having another baby when our boys were almost grown, they were 18, as I said, 18 and 21 years old. And we had three businesses at the time. And the plan was not to have a baby. And then three months after that little girl was born, uh, we lost my husband in an accident. And so here I was a widow with a newborn and two young men's two young men, my sons going off to college who just lost their dad. And I had three businesses to run and and a partner and none of that. And it really flipped my entire world upside down. And it made me realize that the way I'd been living was not the way I was going to choose to live in the future. It was that life quake shake up moment that made me realize that there's something more important than a to-do list. And so Certainly, please listen to the first two episodes if you haven't missed those. I go into a little more detail about my life. But um, in each of these episodes, I'm sharing some of the lessons I learned. Because what I discovered in that time of the messy middle of losing a loved one and having your life look nothing like you had planned for it to look, there's no to-do list. There's no manual, there's no checklist, there's no book that tells you how to get through this. And so when you do the work, the grief work, so to speak, or you do the self-discovery work, which is what I spent a lot of time doing, you learn these lessons and you also learn that the real beauty in life doesn't have a list. There's no task to accomplish the interactions daily with people you love, the making sure that the people you love and love you know that they're loved and 
that you're making sure that you do the things that truly bring you joy and fulfill you and give you significance because you're not going to on your deathbed, right? In your last days, you're not going to wish you returned another email or that you got more things on your to-do list done, that the house was always clean or whatever's on your to-do list. Um, but what you are going to be grateful for is the time that you spent living life and learning and loving and smelling the roses, so to speak. So these are the lessons that help me have more joy in my life with some exercises to do. Um, so we talked about limiting beliefs and that's sort of foundational to getting joy in your life is really, and part of that self-discovery is really understanding what's holding you back. What are the beliefs that you made up that are not true? And if you want to have this fulfillment in your life, you need to decide to get rid of old stories in your belief library that are no longer serving you and start swapping those for empowering beliefs. And as I mentioned before, empowering and limiting beliefs typically come from the same experiences of our childhood, right? Something happened, we learned something, that little immature undeveloped brain makes a truth about that experience. And one side of that can be very empowering while the flip side can be very limiting and can keep us from being our true selves and doing and accomplishing the things that we're meant to do on this planet. We're all here for, for a reason. And when you're not sharing your story in an authentic way and you're not being truly who you are because something's limiting you, the world is missing out. The world is missing out on something it needs because you are here to provide it. So that was the last episode. Sorry, I got I got all caught up in it again because it's so it's it's so foundational and so important um, to me. And um, I'm constantly finding new limiting beliefs or still working on ones that like, uh, yep, still there. It's still like nagging up there in 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 my sub subconscious somewhere. Um, still trying that, that little girl down inside me is still trying to keep me safe, even though I keep telling her that I got this and I have appreciated her keeping me safe all these years, but I'm ready for a risk or whatever. So the next lesson is the idea of locus of control. So this is the idea of the control in your life is either internal. I have control or it's external. And some people live in one more than the other. And if you're living in this external control place, what you will find is that you sort of get the hands that you're dealt. If you're not in control, if everything outside of you is in control of how you are, how you feel, what you can do, who you can be, then you get what you're given. And that is a travesty to me, right? And so the idea with external control is that you can blame other people 
or other things or circumstances for not being happy or not being truly who you were meant to be. You have excuses for why it's not working or you're in denial that there's a problem in the first place. So blame, excuses, denial. We call this being in bed, right? So if you find yourself often, something goes wrong and you say, well, if he would have done this or if the whatever didn't happen or if I lived in a better place or if I was married, if I wasn't married, if I had kids, if I didn't have kids, if I made more money, if I had a better job, if, 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 if. All of those things, that means what is controlling you is not in your control. And that's a scary, unsafe place to be. So what I'm asking you to think about is turn that control, the locus of control, inward and start saying, what is my part? We grab an or, O-A-R. The O stands for ownership, the A for accountability, and the R for responsibility, right? So we grab an or and start taking control of our lives. We can only change our circumstance. We can only change our interactions and our experiences if we make a choice to do so, okay? So if it's always outside of our control, then we keep getting the same thing. And we believe in this idea of Murphy's law that it never works for you. And a lot of this can come from your limiting beliefs too, right? Like you have limiting beliefs about what the rest of the world controls and that you lack it. And so we're just, you know, deepening that path to freedom from these beliefs. And what I want for you is for you to have the life that you want to have. And that means you have to take ownership and accountability and responsibility for it, for that life, for your choices in it, for what you're going to do about it. And so let me give you some examples. So it's as simple as I showed, I drove for an hour for an appointment one day. With a, with a prospect. We had scheduled the appointment. I drove for an hour. I got there. They weren't there. That was frustrating. Now I have to drive an hour back and I'm not even going to have this appointment and it now needs to be rescheduled, etc. This stuff happens to us every day, this kind of thing, right? These inconveniences. So what I could say, so the first thing I did is, is look at my calendar and look at the emails and went, oh, sure enough, I was right. <laughs> I was where I was supposed to be at the time I was supposed to be there. And so I could say, see, this always happens. This is so frustrating. People always do this to me, right? And drive the hour back and let it continue to happen. Instead, I switch the locus of control and I take some ownership and responsibility and say, how can I prevent this from happening ever again? From that moment on, I look at my next two days on my calendar. I make some quick emails or phone calls to confirm that we're meeting. 
I give people the opportunity to reschedule at that point. You know, there's all these things, right? New behaviors that I can have that can prevent me from being in a situation that doesn't serve me. Okay, so that's just a little inconvenience. Now, take a look at that on a much grander scale. Okay, so I, I shared with you that I grew up with some instability. I've never been shown what a good marriage looks like. Um, I explained that there's been a lot of marriages and divorces and um, relationships of my parents while I was growing up and none of them were extremely healthy. And so I could say, you know, this is the hand I've been dealt. I don't understand. I've never been shown a good role model of, of marriage. So I'm on my third or whatever that looks like. Right. Um, or I don't know how to build a stable family and make sure that all my responsibilities are taken care of. So I just don't. And then I walk around with a crutch. And, and as I mentioned in the episode previous, I love my parents and I've forgiven them for their not having the capacity to be what I may have wished for as a family. And I look at my part and say, you know what? I would probably be a hot mess if my parents had it all together and they were the the beaver cleavers or the the cleavers of of (laughs) this era um, and, and they had done everything right. I was rebellious enough that I probably would have gone a little start, a little crazy, right? In in rebellion. But instead, my rebellion was, I don't want to look like that. I don't want this to be a mess. And so I had to take the responsibility and the accountability to understand what I wanted my life to look like and therefore get help with marriage. Find some people who had the marriages that I wanted to have and get mentorship or I had to get some some help and some education on raising kids and having a stable family and so all of those things are in your control so it's the first 18 years of your life when you didn't have a lot of control about the way things went down, right? The way you were raised or what was great or what wasn't great about those first 18 years. But what you do with that is now on you. And that's kind of why the first chapter of the book is called It's Time to Grow Up. Because if what you're going to do is say the first 15, the first 18 years of my life, is now dictating my entire future, well, then good luck. Um, And I don't mean to be harsh because I know some people dealt with some things that are way harder than things I dealt with. And I am absolutely not saying get over it. I'm saying it's time to choose a better way. And if that choice means getting some help, please do so. Please, I have gone through a lot of therapy and and I know that there's people who had much harder childhoods than I had. And I'm begging for you, there's help out there. Please go find help and please take ownership 
of your health and your well-being and get the help you need and make a choice to not let it create a victim in you forever. You can win. You can be a victor rather than a victim by turning the control of your life towards you, towards an empowering center where I decide what it looks like from here on out. And so it's just, it's really about having the life you want and not allowing yourself to have a crutch of what you wish it could have been um, to destroy what it had the potential to be in the future. And so that's sort of the, the, sec, the first and second lessons around limiting beliefs and locus of control. And there's lots of materials and reading and tools out there that can um, help you with those things. Um, PSI, Landmark are great um, places to start. And, um, and just start playing with it, right? Just start every day, start noticing when I'm having an excuse or when somebody calls me out on a mistake and I want to blame somebody else or, or I have an excuse. Well, if that didn't happen, or if, if I would have, you know, not been busy doing something else, um, and, and then the other thing that I'd like to invite you to start noticing is when you're complaining and criticizing, it's kind of the same thing, right? And so it's, you're called out on a mistake and you, you criticize someone else, you know, to pass that blame, or you complain about what you're lacking or what they're not providing that made that mistake happen. Here's another example. You know, a, a good place that I see this showing up in, in my life is in marriage, right? And so um, I don't know if I shared this in the last episode, <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure I did, that I'm remarried. I have an amazing husband. Um, he's adopted that baby girl that, lost her father when she was three months old and she's now 10. And, um, so I'm in this marriage and I've got this opportunity to look at all of the things that I could have done better in my first marriage. And although it was, it was a good marriage and he was a great man, there were things that we both didn't do well. Right. And now learning this, I'm able to, to be in this marriage in a much more empowering place, right? Taking accountability and responsibility and, and, and ownership for my part in any conflict or anything that's, that's not working, right? That there's two of us here and what's my part in it. And I always process that before going into any type of conflict with my husband or anyone else for that matter. What is my part? What can I take responsibility for? So I want to talk about some of those conflicts and, and have you take a look in your life just this week, sort of look at those times when you are complaining or criticizing, or you're placing blame and excuses on others. 
And the idea about complaining and criticizing is it's usually because we're lacking something. Is because a need that we have is not being met somehow. And that's scary, right? It's vulnerable to need someone to provide something for you or to need something and have to share that because they could say no. And then, then where are you at? And so what I'm advocating is when you are complaining to someone about what they're not providing or who they're not being or what they're not doing for you or why they're not a good husband, good boss, good coworker, good whatever friend. Start asking yourself, what is it that I'm missing? What is it that I need from them? Or if you're criticizing them, same thing, right? It's just little little nuance of difference. If you're criticizing friend, relative, husband, coworker, boss, criticizing them for what's wrong with them, maybe before doing that, step back and say, huh, what is it that I need? What is it that I'm afraid of sharing? And so I'm going to blame them by criticizing their lack. Just an invitation. Let's kind of look at that. Look at that. And then I shared this last episode, but um, something that I learned from Brene Brown and reading her books and listening to her podcasts. She's one of the mentors that I hold dearest to my heart. Um, and one of the people that has helped me through a lot of hard times. But one of the things that she shared is when you go into these conversations, um, and this is how I go into these conflict conversations, I'm kind of a conflict avoider. I do not enjoy conflict. Uh, and so what I do is I first process, what is my part? What can I take ownership and accountability and responsibility for? Because there's something here. And then ask myself, what is it that I need? What am I lacking? Where am I feeling vulnerable? And so I want to lash out and I want to, and I want to have a kind of a fight about what they're not doing. What is it truly what I need? Or how was I triggered, right? Going back to that limiting belief conversation, how was I triggered by something that happened and I got emotional? So I look at all three of those things, how I was triggered, what is it that I'm needing or missing or feel, feeling vulnerable about? And what is my part in this? And then I start this conversation with the brilliance of Brene Brown's statement. The story I'm making up is. So you share then. The story I'm making up is you do not. This is a true one in my marriage. <laughs> share my business, Darren, right out there. Um, I, my love language is quality time. And so when I get into these little things where I'm seeing, I want to criticize or complain to Darren that you went out to lunch four times this week and you can't, and you don't even have an hour to spend with me. Or when was the last time we went out to dinner? Blah, blah. That's, that comes up. I'm human. And instead I process this and say, okay, I'm missing him. I need more quality time to fill my love tanks and I know he's busy and he's pulled in multiple dire directions. So I don't want to be a bother. And I'm emotionally triggered because he went out to lunch the fourth time this week. So he has time. 
doesn't, you know, those might've been business lunches, but you know, I'm, I'm blaming him. And so I address all of this. And then I say to him, the story I'm making up is that you're not making me a priority. And what I need to fill my love tanks is more quality time with you. And I've actually changed the love language of quality time to undivided attention <laughs> so that he understands this isn't we're all hanging out at a party together. <laughs> quality time means you and me, direct, knee to knee, uh, having a conversation that fills my love tank. And so when I address this with him in that way, the story I'm making up is that you are not making me a priority. And I am needing more quality time with you because my love tanks are empty. What can you do to help me with this? This starts this conversation from a place where he says, I want to help. He wants to be the protector provider and say, oh my gosh, tell me why you're feeling this way. Or let's put something on the calendar or and, and I get what I want. Look what happens, right? Versus, oh, you have time for four lunches this week, but you can't put me on the schedule. Guess who now has to defend themselves? And a fight is started because he has to defend himself now, right? So see how much more beautiful that interaction of, of, of self-discovery, right? Looking at why I'm triggered. What do I need? What's my part? And, and can change our lives so much for the better. Um, and I'm even sharing this with my 10-year-old daughter, right? She's in the back of the car in her seatbelt and drops her pencil and it's on the other side of the car. Oh my God, draw my pencil and now I can't write anything and now I'm going to be so bored for the rest of this trip. True story, this happened. And I say, Emmy, are you complaining? Well, yeah, because my pencil dropped. What is it that you need? Well, I need a pencil. So could you ask me to help you with your need instead of complaining about it? Yes, mom, could you get me a pencil? Sure. I can reach over and grab a pencil. I can pull off the road. I can get her a pencil, whatever. And then the discussion is, wasn't that easier? Wasn't that easier to get? what you needed rather than complaining and having all that whole conversation with me and dealing with the, the lecture that you just got and blah, 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 right? And so um, that's the sort of the lesson I have to share with you today. I hope it helps. I hope it brings a little more joy. I hope that it makes you think and stop and, and take a look at yourself and I want you to take great care this week. Take great care of yourself. Don't rush out and make a bunch of changes. Just see what's happening. Just sort of feel it when you're triggered. See when you say, I can't. Start paying attention when you're blaming or criticizing or having excuses. And just sort of learn from that. Use that as a guide to determine what you want to do about it and what that could mean to you and where the work is in that, in that. And uh, like Viktor Frankl, the great quote of Viktor Frankl is something around, I'm going to butcher this, but the true beauty lies in the space between emotion and reaction. So your 
triggered. And if you just react, you've lost all the beauty. Where if you stop and pause and there's that space for you to learn and digest differently and process a little bit and then react, that beauty happens right there. So that's my hope and wish for you this week. And again, have a great one. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to buy the book, Your Life is Not a To-Do List, just type that into the Amazon search bar and you will find it on Amazon um, paperback, hardcover, as well as Kindle download. And coming this fall, it will be on Audible. So if you need to reach out to me, dawn at abbottcoach.com. Abbott is A-B-B-O-T-T, coach.com or my website, www.abbotcoach.com. Have a great week.